0: Welcome back YouTube, this is Alonzo Davis with Christ in All Ministry and in this video we are going to be discussing faith. So before the end of this video we are going to work towards putting a practical definition and understanding to faith in its biblical context. And so it would be wrong for us to start anywhere else than in Hebrews chapter 11 where we're about to read verse 1 where the Bible puts its own definition to this word faith. And so Hebrews 11:1 tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. And so faith is what makes your hope important because hope is a positive expectation for things to change in the future. But faith has this expectation to it that things can change now. Hope is for the future and faith is for the present. And so it is faith that makes hoping important there's no there's no reason to even hope if there is not faith but the thing is that you can hope simply because somewhere inside of you exists some measure of faith we can read in the gospels that there were some men that came to jesus bringing their friend who was um crippled and so they broke through this person's roof and the bible lets us know jesus saw their faith and why is that because There's a physical, for faith to be a substance, there has to be a physical matter to it. And we read out of James chapter 2 that that's because faith without action is dead. And so the physical matter to this concept of faith is its action. And so faith comes alive, the Bible lets us know, when there are corresponding works to this thing. And the corresponding works is what makes faith perceivable. That's what makes faith physically tangible in the natural. And so, we can't see why these people are acting, or we can't see the reason why, I would say, these people are taking these actions. You might not be able to perceive that, but what you can perceive is the action. And so, continuing on reading, it says that, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This falls in line with what we read out of John chapter one, where it says that in the beginning was a word and all things that were made were made by it. And I want to skip down to verse six, where it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now him here is referencing God himself. And so it says without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. And so in order to please the Lord, then we have to have faith. Continuing on reading with the verse, it says, For he that comes to God must believe that God is. This is very important to understand about the concept of believing that God is, and this takes faith to do so. When you look at all of the uh, names of the Lord, our identification of our Lord is simply based on what we know him to do. And so in order for us to believe that God is, we are also having to have this understanding that we believe that God does what he says he does. And with this, let's look at how verse 6 ends out of Hebrews 11. It says that, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so this concept of faith tells us three things, that faith pleases God. That faith believes that God is and does what he says he'll do. And that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so we kind of brought up the subject of faith having a tangible evidence to it. Because faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, right? And a substance has a physical matter to it. And then faith is evidence. So evidence is perceivable. And so faith adds perception to something that is unseen. And so now let's turn to James chapter two, because we're going to break down the physical aspects of this word faith. We're starting in verse one. It says, my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So he's letting us know that there is no favoritism to the faith. It says, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and good apparel, and there comes also a poor person in vile clothing, and you have respect to the person wearing the gay clothing, and say to him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, have not God chosen the poor of this world, which... Have God not chosen the poor of the world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all for he hath said oh for he that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill now if you commit no adultery yet you do kill you are become a transgressor of the law so speak you and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that have showed no mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Oh, hold on. This is the Bible now. It says in verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them, depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Verse 18, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have worked. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I show you my faith by my works. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. He says in verse 19, You believest that there is one God, and you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altars? Verse 22 says, Seest thou hath faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also." So we have to give respect to the aspect of works in regards to faith, because faith is not complete without works. That's why he says that in this, in works, was faith made perfect. And because of Abraham's work, was he even uh, um, appointed unto righteousness. So Abraham's justification came by his works, but his works proved his faith. As we go back to Hebrews 11, and one, it says that faith is the evidence it's the proof of things not seen abraham's works proved his belief in god as people would like to say now we're only saved because we believe in christ but you have to understand that faith has a physical aspect to it which is perceived and shown by our works and so you can't say that you have faith as james was just saying out of chapter 2 what good is it for somebody to see someone who's cold and shivering and say, go and be warm somewhere, but not give them any provisions to go and be warm. It's kind of like how um, I have a friend, a brother in Christ, who did a, a sleeping bag outreach for the homeless. And so what good would it have been for him to go into the uh, into the areas with these homeless people and just tell them about how we're going we're to get you sleeping bags or you need sleeping bags and do nothing to assist them. But no, he went out there and proving his belief that they need sleeping bags is that he brought sleeping bags with him. And so this is something that we have to all understand that James lets us know more than once out of chapter two, that your faith is incomplete without your works. And so this proves the aspect of faith, having a physical and tangible element to it. So your hoping has substance to it once there is faith involved, right? Because hope in itself actually doesn't really require any works. Because somebody is hoping, was having a, which is having an expectation for the future, having a positive expectation for the future, that doesn't require any works. And so I like how preachers use uh, the the word now in Hebrews eleven and one. It it also reinforces the idea that faith is a present tense thing. Now faith, and so we have to say this now faith because. If faith is dead without works, it requires works to be done here in the present. And so I want to um, expound upon something that we see in the Bible when it comes to faith is that you can actually see faith because faith is dead without works and works are the part of faith that you can actually see with your eyes. And so I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter two and let's read the story of when Jesus saw their faith. So in the gospel of Mark, and we're looking at chapter two, Matthew, Mark, let's start at verse one. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway. Many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So, four people brought a man who was sick of palsy. Verse 4 says, And when they could not come near unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed, were in the sick of the palsy late. Verse 5. Here it is. It says, When Jesus saw their faith. Look at that. And so we can't necessarily put faith into the spiritual realm and keep it there we do know that faith is based on the word of god but what we just read out of james chapter 2 is that faith has works to it and this is uh it reinforces the idea that faith is evidence faith is proof it reinforces the idea that faith is substance which is a physical element that is tangible It's the working of your faith that is perceivable. And so what did Jesus see? Their faith. Well, what was their faith? That they brought their friend to him who could heal their friend. This man that was sick of palsy. They couldn't even get close to Jesus because of the the crowd that was around them pressing in to hear this man's words. So what they did was they didn't turn back. They went and they got onto the roof. These four people, they brought their friend onto the roof. They literally broke somebody's roof. And then you think about it, like there's no Home Depot down the road. There's no Lowe's down the road. You break somebody's roof back in that day, it's going to take a lot to get that fixed. But because they needed to get their friend to Jesus, because they believed on him, that he could do something about their sick friend, they uncovered a person's roof and they lowered their friend down. And that is what Jesus saw. And then let's see what Jesus said. It says... In verse 5, son, your sins be forgiven thee. I'm actually going to finish reading this story because it's pretty good. And so let's think about this before I finish reading it. Four friends bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They climb up to a roof to get away from the crowd to get to Christ. They break the roof open and they lower their friend down. This man needs to be healed. He needs to be able to get up and walk. And what is Jesus' response to seeing their faith? He looks at that man who's sick of palsy and says, Son, he's identifying him as a Jew. The Jewish people are the ones that Jesus came for in the flesh. Those that need, he needed to come to so that they would reject him and ultimately open up space for the Gentiles to then be engrafted. But he says to this son of Abraham, your sins are forgiven. This man is sick and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 6, but there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. So they didn't say this. It says, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. So he got a word of knowledge about what was going on in the hearts of these men. Verse uh, eight says, Jesus said unto them, why reason you these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to a sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Consider that. What's easier to say to somebody who's, coughing up blood your sins are forgiven or be healed from coughing up blood it's easier to say your sins are forgiven and so this is the concept that jesus is questioning right now that he got this word of knowledge about what they were asking inside of them he says well really consider what's easier to say jesus said the easier thing to this uh this man sick of the palsy he said your sins are forgiven and he finishes by saying this in verse 10 But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, so he turns to the men. and he says, I say unto you, arise and take up your bed and go thy way into your house. And immediately, hallelujah, he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. look at that and so what just happened here was that jesus proved one thing majorly and two concepts about this one thing that as we know that um or we should know that jesus's mission statement was that he had come to seek and to save the lost so he brought about salvation and we know that salvation is received and upon being received your sins are forgiven, you're washed clean of all of your iniquity, and God gives you a clean slate. You start fresh, you start brand new. And so when this man who was sick came to Jesus, Jesus let him know, your sins are forgiven. And so that also implies that this man was even sick because of sin in his life. And so as Jesus saved this man, as Jesus brought the ministry of deliverance as they said even themselves to a new fashion, right not only were his sins forgiven here's the point this man was also healed and jesus says that in me telling this man to get up and walk it proves that i have the power to forgive sins because he began by saying your sins are forgiven and so because these men questioned in their heart Can he forgive sins? It didn't change the fact that Jesus already said, your sins are forgiven. And because his sins were forgiven, he could get up and walk. Why is that? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 26 and two, that the curse cannot come without a cause. And lo and behold, if you were read out of Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, all the way to the end, 60 something. Every single verse has to do with the curse. And so the curse deals with sickness, the curse deals with oppression, the curse deals with captivity, it deals with bondage, it deals with lack, it it deals with civil disorder. And so in the entirety of what we just read out of Mark chapter two, there was sin in a man's life. And because of this sin, he had been sick of palsy. But when he got to Jesus and Jesus saw the faith of his friends that brought him, these people's faith brought about his deliverance. Right. Because faith pleases God. Remember this out of Hebrews 11 and six. And because God was pleased by the faith of these men, his sins were forgiven. And so if the sins were taken away from him, which is the point over one of the points that Jesus came to die for, if his sins were taken away from him, the reason for him being sick was gone. So now there's no more reason for him to still be sick of the palsy. Are we understanding this? So when Jesus spoke and said, your sins are forgiven, what had to also leave was his sickness. Because salvation is incomplete without healing. Because if salvation, as we all understand it, is a wiping away of your sins. You have to understand that sin brings this thing called a curse. People are cursed because of sin in their life. And so if they are welcoming access ticket for the curse is sin and it's taken away, then what's next? The thing that has to go is the curse. The sickness has to go. The oppression has to go. The civil unrest has to go. The, The bondage has to go. And I just love actually that this brings up what Jesus says he was anointed to do in Luke chapter 4. It says that in verse 18 that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It, it, It anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. And so this man was captive to this sickness. It also says, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he says, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. You can believe on this today. And that is the aspect of faith This faith is present tense for you to be in faith means that you have a present state of being of believing and acting on the word of God. And so we know out of John chapter one, Jesus was this word of the Lord that in the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. And this word became flesh and dwelt among us. Speaking of Christ himself, because these men believed on Christ, or in other words, because these men believed on the word, they took action. And that's when faith came alive. And once Jesus saw these men's faith, salvation in completeness. When faith became complete, salvation became complete. Hallelujah. And we know that works complete our belief. Our works complete our faith. And when Jesus saw that their faith was complete, he did a miraculous work of completion. Hallelujah. And therefore, this man received salvation. He received forgiveness of sin and he received his healing in the same fashion that faith without works is incomplete. As we read out of James chapter two, that works complete our faith, works perfect our faith. Salvation without wholeness, salvation without healing, salvation without deliverance is incomplete also. And so this event does bring to mind how we can often see that things of faith are harder to say. I'm sure all of us can relate to trying to encourage somebody with the word of God, and they kind of just contrast or rebuttal. Every response that they have is a but. And um, this is what draws the line between faith and hope, because hope is a positive expectation. Yes, but it leaves it into this realm of like the far out or non-specific future or as faith says within itself, I desire a change to happen now. And so when we get past this idea of looking silly or wondering or worrying about what people might say, we can step into this realm of faith that takes practical actions and yield impractical results. And this idea of seeing faith, faith having this perceivable element to it is even echoed in Acts chapter 14. And I want you to turn with me there. Let's read about what happened when Paul was preaching in Lystra. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, it says, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks believed. Hallelujah. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Oh, Hallelujah. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lysonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Ooh, perceiving that he had faith to be healed. It says in verse 10, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. So Paul saw something in this man at Lystra. And so let's go back to Hebrews 11 and 1. What is faith? Well, the latter says that faith is evidence of the unseen. And the former says that faith is a substance. And so there is a perceivable element of faith as well as a tangible element of faith. And this is what we see in Mark chapter 2 with the crippled man and even in Acts 14 with this crippled man again from birth. And so when Paul was speaking and preaching the word of God, he saw something about this man. He perceived something about this man. There was something tangible about this man's faith that Paul not only discerned, but he actually beheld. And so honestly, what I believe that happened is that this man was probably squirming. He was probably even trying to get up himself. I mean, he was probably making actions to to stand on his feet because it says that Paul saw, right? And so... We know in James chapter two, faith without works is dead also. He says himself that works perfect our faith. And so this tangible and this perceivable elements of faith is our participation. And so when this man began to participate, he began to act on the word that he had spoken. Paul saw that and Paul said, get up. And this reminds me of a a viral video that was going around of this young person in a wheelchair at the altar at some service. And they were shaking and somebody was recording. And so, I mean, the video just ends with them just moving about and moving around in their wheelchair, just bouncing up and down. And I just can't help but wonder how differently that video might have ended if somebody perceived that faith and just had the idea or even the faith to say, stand up and walk. And so let's turn to Galatians chapter five now and identify another key aspect of faith. And if I were to go back and actually make points. I would say the first point would be that faith is present tense. The second point would be that faith. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. So something I just realized is uh, our first point comes out of Hebrews 11 verse one. So there we go. You can remember that. The first point is Hebrews 11, verse 1. And so, faith is a present thing. And the second point comes out of James chapter 2. And what it lets us know is that faith is perfected and complete and made alive by works. And now, let's get to our third point out of Galatians chapter 5. And let's look. Actually, it's verse 6, but we might as well just read all of it. We've been reading all of everything we looked at. So, turn to Galatians with me. And let's identify something else about faith that the Bible tells us. And so it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Look at that. What did Christ make us free from? Sin, sickness, the curse. It's the sin and the curse, right? And so that's the bondage. That's the yoke of bondage, sin and the curse. And so Paul is saying to the church of Galatia, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. So there's freedom and then there's freedom indeed. Hallelujah. And it says, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, referring to sin and the curse. It says in verse two, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to everyone that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. Ephesians 2 and 8. You are saved by grace through faith. Oh man, why did I bring that up? Check this out. So we know that faith takes action to actually be faith. Faith is not just simply believing. We put it in this this far-off realm of just no acting. There's, there's nothing to do except sit and believe. That's not faith, though. Faith has a tangible aspect to it, again, because faith without works is dead. And again, this work is the, the substance. It's the perceivable, tangible element to faith. It's what Jesus saw in Mark chapter 2 when he healed the man of palsy. And so it says that we are saved because of God's grace through our faith. And we know faith is proven by our works. Well, you can venture to say that, yes, believing is a work. But how do we prove that we believe? Romans 10 says if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus so look there there's a work in confession that's an action to it you have to confess christ and then you have to believe in your heart unto righteousness and it says that those that do that and also can admit that jesus died for them and rose from the dead so you believe in the resurrection shall be saved and so even in how people as we lead them through a prayer for sinners to be uh saved that the prayer itself Involves confessing sin, it involves confessing Christ, and it involves believing. That is the work to actively receive salvation when we bring people to altar call. And so if we are saved by grace through faith, we have to understand that faith is proof because it's evidence of things not seen. And so my believing is proven by the evidential factor of faith, which is my works. James said it himself that Abraham was justified by his works. Because Abraham believed God, it was appointed unto him, accounted unto him as righteousness. And how do we need how do we see? How do we know that Abraham believed God? We know Abraham believed God because he did the things that God told him to do. Hallelujah. And so picking back up in uh verse five, it says, For though. Oh. Verse 5 says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. So look at this. The, re- the religion before Christ came and died and went. And the New Testament church was established. Christianity was made, as you can read in Acts. It's, it was Judaism. And so that's the law. So the law formed the religion of Judaism, but Jesus Christ came to fulfill that. He brought that to a completion and then he established a new testament, a new will of God. And so even in Judaism, there were all these inaccuracies that people were allowed to believe about God. But when Jesus stepped on the scene, when well, we can read that out of Hebrews 1, it says in uh, verse 3 that Jesus Christ was the express image of the Lord. All of those inaccurate understandings of god had to be thrown in the trash because here came the word made flesh so everything that jesus did everything that jesus said everything that jesus requires of us is exactly what god wants us to do and so when you're in christ you're no longer set apart by anything that you do so circumcision was proof that these men were set apart it was an it was a requirement under the old testament for the men to do However, now the time has come, as we read out of John chapter 4, that those that worship God and the idea of worshiping is to lay your life down before the Lord. Jesus says that the time is coming where true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And so we've received this redemption. We receive this sanctification. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit that the people in the Old Testament cannot receive in their day. We have received that thanks to Jesus Christ. As where now, we no longer have to do these Physical, or we just really no longer have to do circumcision if you don't want to to prove your justification but your justification is found in christ and it's proven by you believing on him and your believing is proven by your working in accordance to the word of god and so that's where paul gets this from in verse six where it says in jesus christ Well, how do you become in Jesus Christ? You confess him. You repent of your sins. You confess Christ and you believe unto righteousness and the resurrection. That's out of Romans chapter 10. And so once you are in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. It profits you nothing to do those things or to not do those things. It says, but faith which works by love. Look at that. And so there is also a love element to faith. Going back to our first point, faith is a present tense thing. Our second point being that faith is dead without works. Faith is proven by works. Faith needs works. The third thing is that faith itself works by love. And so there's a revelation of love here that we have to also add to our faith. Because this is what makes faith work. And so now let's turn to Corinthians and let's look at what the Bible says about the love that makes your faith work. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is where we're going. And we're going to read all of this as well. So let's keep in mind, faith is in the now. Faith requires works to be perfected and then faith works by love and i'm getting something here that if james says in chapter 2 that your works perfect your faith you have a complete product there because perfect means complete in itself as well but just because you have a complete product doesn't mean that that product Works. What do I mean by that? Well, let's think about an actual product. It's just a toy. So let's say that the toy, do I even have a toy? I don't. Let's look at it like this. If you have a phone, let's say this phone is the word of God we know that the word is an element of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god that's what we read out of uh romans 10 17. so you start with the word however what we see out of james is that your believing on the word is not perfect it's not complete until you begin to have corresponding actions following the word and so the corresponding actions is the battery to the device However, this device that is not complete, being the phone itself and the battery that powers it, it's all a complete product. But when you get a phone, what is the thing that you need to do in order to start working with the phone? You need to turn it on. And that is the element of love here. Love turns this complete product of faith on to make it work and that's what we just read out of galatians 5 and 6 that in christ there is no circumcision or uncircumcision that profits you anything except faith which works by love so now let's get into first corinthians chapter 13. read in verse one it says though i speak oh actually let's look at let me let me talk about where we just came from And so, in chapter 12, we see that Paul is, uh, he is breaking down the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's also breaking down just ministry gifts as well. And then he says that, let's start at verse 28 in chapter 12. It says, and God has sent some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And so chapters and verses didn't actually come to the scriptures until we got the English version of it, which is makes the breakdown in a chronological order uh, more readily and easily. And then you can go and you can, um, you know, find a verse quicker. It's like having a table of contents in the middle of an actual book, or in the middle of the actual story of a book. And so if we were to read this in its intended matter, Paul is flowing right into chapter 13. And so when he says out of verse uh, 31 in chapter 12, that I show you a more excellent way, what we are about to read is this more excellent way to covet earnestly the best gifts. And so these gifts of the spirit all come by faith. And remember, we just read our Galatians 5 and 6, that faith works by love. So in order to earnestly covet, in in order to diligently seek to receive the reward, You have to understand that the best way to do so is to have this understanding of love because love makes your faith work. Love turns the battery on that turns the device on so that you can begin to work it. And so in verse one of chapter 13, it says, though, I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. This is the word agape. It says, I am become a, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So, you're just making noise. If Even if you do spiritual things and you don't have love, you're just making noise. You're no good to anybody. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Look at that. And so... It says in verse 4, these are the aspects of love. It says, love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy, love vaunteth not itself, and is not puffed up. It says, it does not behave itself unseemly or seeks her own. It is not easily provoked and it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And so look at that. He's saying that which is perfect is come. Well, what is that which is perfect? He's talking about the return of Jesus Christ, who has now ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven, has now been glorified back into his godliness, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and his omnisciousness that he took off to be formed in the likeness of a man and come down to die for people that did not love him. Sinners for the salvation of humankind and for the, uh, what is the word? We have all been, and for the reconciliation of mankind back unto God the Father, which is a work that he gave to his disciples, us. And so it says, when that which is perfect is come, all of these things will cease. And you know why? Because when you go to heaven, we're no longer going to need words of knowledge and words of wisdom. We're no longer going to need prophecy. We're going to be in the presence of God himself. We're no longer going to need tongues. There's going to be one tongue. We no longer are going to need anything in part because we'll all be fully complete even having received our immortal bodies once we go to heaven and so now in this time we need these things to be be able to function and do the work that we have to do but the work ends as far as we know it once we get to heaven and who knows really what's next because the work for this time comes to an end but who knows what the work is for that time once we all enter into perfection for eternity And so picking back up in verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It says in verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth. Oh, this is good. Verse 13 says, And now abides faith, hope. And charity; these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's so good, because what we know about hope is that the the importance of hope is actually faith. But what we just learned about faith out of Galatians five and six is that faith works by charity; it works by love. And so, the most important thing about all of this is the love aspect to it. Because you need your your faith to work in order to actually add substance to what you're hoping for. There's one more thing that we need to identify about love. So let's turn to John chapter 14 before we move on. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 14. And let's actually just go to... Verse 21, it says, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And so what we have to understand about love here, as Jesus says, is that Our obedience proves our love. And so if we do love him, then it means that we would obey his commandments. And so having this understanding that if I'm loving God, that means that I'm obeying. And if I'm obeying, what does that mean I'm doing? It means that I'm then working. And so even my work begins with me understanding or having this love. And lo and behold, out of uh, Romans 5, I believe, let's read it. Romans 5, 5, then we'll skip back to John chapter 14, verse 21. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Look at this. This falls right in line with 2 Corinthians 12. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ interceded on our behalf so that we could then receive the Holy Ghost. And one of the things that the Holy Ghost gives us is love. And so once you have this this grace, really, of love working inside of your heart, that would lead you to then obey God. And then your love is proven and your obedience is your working that completes your faith. And then that faith, coupled with the love, as it all comes around full circle, it begins to work the rewards, the miracles, the signs and the wonders of our believing in Christ And our God, our Father in heaven. And the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I believe we've come to the point where we can create our definition of faith. And so let's put together our key points. Point one was out of Hebrews 11 and one that faith is a present tense thing, And then point two out of James 2 and Mark 2 was that faith takes an evidence of work to be perfected and completed. And then point three out of Galatians five and six, John 14 and 21 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was that faith needs love to work. Therefore, if Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that's where faith begins. Then we can say that faith is a conviction based on the word of God. That is acted on in accordance to God's word and revelation of God's love. Let me say that again. Faith is a conviction based on the word of God that you act on in accordance to God's word and revelation of God's love. Can you say amen? And so I hope this video blessed you. I thank you for watching and listening. If you have not already, please subscribe so that you can grow along with me as this ministry continues to prosper and build the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you and God bless you.